Well, good morning, good morning, good morning. Welcome to Coffee and Devotions. This is where every day you and I, we get together, we have a little bit of coffee, we get into God's Word, and we grow in our love for the Lord together. And this year, Lord willing, we'll make it from the book of Acts to the book of Second Thessalonians. Uh, why don't we have some coffee? We'll pray, and we'll get into God's Word. Let's pray. Father, we want to thank you so much for giving us the blessing of coming to your word. Thank you that your mercies are new every morning. You woke us up today, God. You've blessed us with another day to bring you glory, to praise you and rejoice in who you are. Please, Father, watch over us and teach us in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so we are at second le- Seth, no, no, we're at Colossians. We're at Colossians chapter 2, beginning at verse 11. Colossians chapter 2, beginning at verse 11. Here we go. In him you were also circumcised with the circumcision made without hands, by putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. Buried with him in baptism, in which you also were raised with him through faith in the working of God, who raised him from the dead. And you, being dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he has made alive together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses. Having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us, which was contrary to us, and he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. Having disarmed principalities and powers, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it. So let no one judge you in food or in drink or in Regard in regarding a festival or a new moon or Sabbaths, which are a shadow of things to come, but the substance is of Christ. Let no one cheat you of your reward, taking delight in false humility and worship of angels, introducing into those things which he has not seen, vainly puffed up by his fleshly mind, and not holding fast to the head, from whom all the body, nourished and knit together by joints and ligaments, grows with the increase that is from God. Therefore, if you died with Christ from the basic principles of the world, why, as though living in the world, do you subject yourselves to regulations? Do not touch, do not taste, do not handle which all concern things which perish with the using according to the commandments and doctrines of men. These things indeed have an appearance of wisdom in self-imposed religion, false humility, and neglect of the body, but are of no value against the indulgence of the flesh. Well, we need to ask ourselves, A, what is this about? B, what's the best verse to summarize this? And C, what are we called to do in response to these words, right? So, A, what is this about? Well, uh, Paul, in the previous chapter, as Nathan and I were discussing it, is describing to us vain philosophies, empty teachings that we're going to pull people away. We're trying to pull people away from God and from Christ. And now we come to Paul saying, 
that we have been knit together with Christ, that Jesus has disarmed the principalities and powers of the world, and that we ought not to be uh, okay or tricked into following these philosophies that are, at the end of the day, powerless because they deal with the fleshly, beggarly things. And so we see in verses 11 through 15 that it is Jesus Christ in whom you were also circumcised with the circumcision made without hands. This is calling us back to what God was talking about in the Old Testament time and time again when he says he wasn't just desiring the circumcision of the flesh, but the circumcision of their hearts. That this was going to be a sign of the new covenant, that they would have circumcised hearts. This is a picture of conversion. And so it, and he says here that, by putting off the body of sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. right? Not this outward sign, but an inward reality that our hearts are changed, that we're united to Christ. And he ties circumcision, that Old Testament sacrament, to show that you are part of the people of God, to show that you were engaged to be the Lord, to show that you were one of Jehovah's people, And he ties that in verse 12 to baptism. Buried with him in baptism, in which you also were raised with him through faith in the working of God, who raised him from the dead. We are included in Christ's circumcision. And in baptism, we are showing, we have the sign and seal showing that we are indeed with Christ and Christ is in us. And so in his death, we're with him. And in his resurrection, we're with him. Now, if just as a side note, uh, if baptism takes over circumcision, there has to be a question that uh, as a good Presbyterian pastor, I have to ask, What does that mean for our children? Well, I'll let you think about the implications of that, uh, but I would say that our children likewise, as this is the good news both for you and to your household, this is for children as well. And he says in verse 13, And you being dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he has made alive together with him, having forgiven all your trespasses. Right? When we are when we realize that we are united to Christ, when we have faith in Christ, when our hearts have been changed, what does this mean but that all of our sins are forgiven, our trespasses are wiped away. Having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us, which was contrary to us, he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. Do you see the covenant of works was against us? Our condemnation was real. Our trespasses, we're we're all sinners. Every single one of us. No one does righteous. No, not one. Not one seeks after the Lord. All have fallen short of his standard of glory. And so, what does Jesus do? He takes all those those just condemnations which we deserve and he what did god do he took it and he nailed it to the cross 
our punishment was nailed like a deed of forgiveness through the hands of our Savior. All of our sins are forgiven. Trespass is gone. This is why Christ is so important. right? It is Jesus who we look to in his death and in his resurrection, and we find forgiveness and life. And this is why he's telling them God has made a public spectacle of the principalities and of the powers, right? They cannot condemn you. If Christ is for you, who could be against you? So he says, let no one judge you in food or in drink or regarding a festival or new moons or or Sabbaths, which are a shadow of things to come, but the substance is Christ. If you go pick up the book of Hebrews, it will show you time and time again that all the festivals, all the sacrifices, all the annual feasts were all meant to point to Jesus Christ, who is our high priest, who sits at the right hand of of God the Father in heaven, and he ministers in a sanctuary not made by human hands. He's our high priest. He's our sacrifice. He all, all the Old Testament ritual laws were fulfilled in Christ and point us to Christ. And so we look to Jesus. Right? We look to Jesus in those things. So he says, don't let people judge you about that stuff. If you believe in Jesus, you believe in what's far better. It says, let no one cheat you of your reward taking delight in false humility and the worship of angels. Now, we need to stop there real quick and ask, what in the world is he talking about? So there, there's this philosophy going on around this time in certain Jewish circles, and even it's crept into Christian circles, where people are, are having this false humility. Right? Well, we don't want to break the third commandment using the Lord's name in vain, and we don't want to to you know think of somehow that we could interchange with the most high God so we we bow down to the angels. He says that's idolatry. Right? Don't do that. He says that's false humility. Don't let them trick you out of your reward. Now let me say this as well to anybody who has interacted with Jehovah's Witnesses who think that Jesus is just an angel, that Jesus is just Michael the archangel. Point them here. We don't worship angels. This is not angel worship. That's false humility. It's idolatry. And so he says here, let no one cheat you of your reward. Don't let anybody come to your door, knock on your door, and just say Jesus is just an angel, and they might seem humble and nice. No, don't let anybody cheat you out of that reward. Introducing those things which... He has not seen vainly puffed up in his fleshly mind, nor holding fast to the head who is the head, the divine one, the exact image of God, Jesus Christ himself. We cling to him. We worship him. He is the head and he strengthens every part of the body. As our eyes are fixed on Jesus Christ, he strengthens our horizontal relationships and he makes right our vertical relationships. As we look to to others and we love others, that only happens in a 
deep, profound way when we look vertically to Christ, when we love Jesus. And so he says that's what brings the increase that is from God. Therefore, if you died with Christ from the basic principles of the world, why, as though living in the world, do you subject yourselves to regulations? What is Paul getting at here? Are you a slave anymore to this world, Christian? Is the Spirit of Jesus Christ in you? Then the question is, why would you go back to do not handle, do not taste, do not touch? These are the weak things. These are the elementary things. These are the milk things. And you ought to be eating solid food. It's not about do not handle, do not taste, do not touch. Those things will not make you holy. That's cleaning the outside of the cup. But Jesus came to clean the inside of the cup. It's not good enough for you just to abstain from physically going out and committing adultery, but you need to even purify your eyes and your heart and your mind. And if we are united to Christ, the Spirit of Christ does these things in us. It's not a matter of do not handle, do not taste, do not touch. There's this old uh, saying, you know, do not drink, do not smoke, and do not go with girls who do. (laughs) It's not about that. It's not about not eating unkosher food. It's not about not touching dead bodies. It's not about all this stuff. What is it about? It's about being holy. It's about being united to Jesus Christ. It's about realizing that every one of us is sinners and we need the Holy Spirit to transform our hearts for God to nail our trespasses to the cross. We need Jesus Christ. It's not about annual sacrifices we have one sacrifice done for all he was crucified buried and rose again on the third day it's not about going to a temple and making sacrifices we have a high priest who ministers in heaven for us it's not about what type of clothes we wear or what type of food we eat It's about Jesus Christ. None of those things will make you holy. But it's the Spirit of Jesus Christ in us that drives us to true holiness. A love for God that changes the way we feel and think and praise and turns into a way that we love our neighbors as ourselves and brings with it the ethic of Jesus Christ that transforms all of our lives. And so, he says, these things indeed have an appearance of wisdom and self-imposed religion, false humility, the neglect of the body, but are of no value against the indulgences of the flesh. You can put all the stoicism you want, all the strict self-control you want, but until you abide in Jesus Christ, all of that is false humility. Do you love Jesus Christ? Are you united to him? What's the best verse to underline? Or, oh, I'm going to uh, underline verse 11. And I would under, also underline uh, verses 12 and 17. Uh, and then I would also underline 
verse 20. So in those three paragraphs, that's what I would underline. What would you underline in your Bible? What do you think is getting at the heart of this passage? Well, last seek calling. What are you called to do? Have you been trying to earn grace? <laughs> Have you been forgetting that God has given you a new heart? Maybe in your Christian life, you've fallen into this trap of thinking, oh, I'll be holy if I, don't, if I just don't do X, or if I just don't do Y, or if I just don't do Z. Do you know what happens in my life? I don't have a television. Right? And why don't I have a television? Well, because I don't want to waste my time on TV and I don't want the influences of the, of the world. But do you know the problem? There's still YouTube. And I could get sucked into YouTube. There's still Netflix. You could get sucked into Netflix. There's still Amazon Prime. You get sucked into Amazon Prime. There's still books in the library that are despicable. It's not a matter of whether you've got a TV or don't have a TV. It's a matter of do you love Jesus Christ. Now, I would still encourage you to have your mind fixed on Christ, to go to his word, to love him. But the problem isn't the TV. The problem is our heart. You might think, oh, if, if I just stay away from the bar, I won't drink. I know plenty of people who stay at home and get drunk all the time. The problem isn't the bar. The problem is our hearts. You might think of the person who struggles with, oh, if, if my life was just perfect and, and I had all my routines, and if people just listened to me, then I wouldn't get mad. No, the problem isn't the people. The problem is the anger in your heart. The problem is the pride that we have in our own hearts. Wanting things our way. I'm going to encourage you today to plead with God that he would not just clean the outside of the cup, but he would clean the inside. That you might go to Jesus Christ. You might find holiness and forgiveness that's found in him and from him. And as you look to Jesus, as you are united to Jesus, then I pray that you'll be strengthened. Let's pray. Father, please work in my heart. Work in all of us who are together this morning listening to this. Work in our hearts together. Strengthen us by your Son. May we fix our eyes on Jesus, not just this morning, but Lord, throughout the day, please let us remember what you have done. And may we walk before you, God. We need your spirit. We need you to do this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, may the Lord bless you. May you walk in the joy and peace that comes in Jesus Christ. May you have a full assurance that your high priest has laid down his own life for you and intercedes for you. And I'll see you tomorrow. Bye. Thanks for listening to this week's message from God's Word for You, a ministry of Sharon R.P. Church in rural southeast Iowa. We 
pray that the message would be used by God to transform your faith in your life this week. If you'd like to get more information about us, feel free to go to the website, SharonRPC.org. We'd love to invite you to worship with us. Our worship time is 10 a.m. every Sunday at 25204 160th Avenue, Morning Sun, Iowa, 52640. May God richly bless you this week.